Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. I, I've, I told the leprechaun he's got to go away now. I made it first half of the show. Leprechaun was here, St. Patrick's Day, but I've matured, and I've decided that the remaining 87 minutes of the program, leprechaun-free. I like that I leprechaun don't, sketch. I don't think that's going to stick. I like that leprechaun sketch picture. The, the the video when they spotted a leprechaun down in Alabama. That's an all-timer <laughs> yeah. right there. Yeah, I like yeah. that sketch. Yeah, kind of looks like some of my artwork from back in the day. Um, speaking of art, we'll see how beautiful it looks for Purdue, not only tonight, but through the rest of the tournament. Uh, The voice of the Boilers, Rob Blackman, joins us from Columbus. Uh, Rob, did you take in what sounded like a pretty entertaining, at least, end to the women's game last night as Purdue was trying to advance in the the out-of-the-play-in tournament? I did. Um, And, man, I felt terrible for our women's team because of the way, obviously, that game went down and they were so close to winning. Um, But what a a great job Katie Gerald's has done at Purdue and, and gotten Purdue women's basketball back on the map and I know 11, an 11 seed is not is not ultimately her goal. Her goal would be to put Purdue back in a position where you know where Indiana is right now in women's basketball, where you're at a nationally prominent team, which Purdue was was at one time. So, but yes, it, it, what a unique situation to have the Purdue women's team uh, right here in Columbus, staying at the hotel literally right across the street from where the men's team is. So, I did get a chance to take that in. I wanted to mention one thing, guys. I was listening to you uh, as you're coming out of commercial break talking about Mike Conley. We've been using the Ohio State practice facility for our practices here in Columbus, Uh, and I think a lot of Indianapolis folks would be be, uh, interested to know that the the weight room at Ohio State for men's basketball and women's basketball uh, is the Mike Conley weight room, which obviously leads me to believe he's the guy that fronted the money Mm. for us. for that, so that's pretty cool that he would, uh, you know, have the financial resources and also give back to, to help out Ohio State. So that's a pretty cool deal here in uh, in Columbus. I'll never forget my uh, our high school basketball coach Scott Hicks when I was in high school saying that he voted for Mike Conley for Mr. Basketball over Greg Oden. He thought like Conley. I think there are the a lot of people that thought he was the better of the two players. That that just made everything go. Yeah, it's like exactly you try to press Lawrence North and you couldn't because Conley would just single handedly break the press. Not to turn this into a Mike Conley segment, but yeah, I mean, just an incredible talent that I don't think I I don't think nationally, growing up high school, college wise, I think eventually he got credit for how good of a player he was, but I don't think a lot of people gave him that individual credit that he deserved. Well, and I'll add this: when I was a kid, I followed two college basketball teams very closely, Purdue and Notre Dame, and those Scott Hicks and Kenny Barlow teams at Notre Dame. Man, I as a kid, I I freaking <laughs> love those teams. I was those are like my favorite teams of all time. So uh, anytime you work in a Scott Hicks reference, I think that's pretty cool. Great too. dude. Great dude. Hey, Rob, let's talk about the matchup for Purdue. And I'm going to begin it by asking you the same question that I asked Don Fisher about Indiana. And that is that when you watch Purdue getting ready for a tournament, you've seen them in a couple of tournaments now. Do you feel like in this opening round matchup, with Fairleigh Dickinson, does Purdue make some tweaks or changes to their style based on what they might have scouted, or is it more so we're a number one seed for a re- for a reason? We're going to do what we do and come and get us. Yeah, I think it's more the latter. Um, when you won twenty nine games, uh, when you've had the success that Purdue has had, obviously what you're doing is working. So why would you change it? 
Um, and what Purdue has done well all season is made sure that Zach Eady has been the focal point of the offense. Now, the one thing we haven't seen this year, and uh, hopefully as a Purdue fan, we do not see it in the NCAA tournament, but we really haven't seen Zach Eady in foul trouble where Purdue's had to play extended minutes without him on the floor. That's the one scenario that, quite frankly, uh, has never really popped up this season. Now, he did miss one game against New Orleans uh, back in December. That was a home game uh, because he was sick, so he missed the whole game. And Trey Kaufman-Wren had to play, but, you know, no offense to New Orleans, but that's New Orleans. That's, that's not like what you're about to do here in NCAA tournament play. But to answer your question directly, Jake, absolutely. Um, you're not going to start trying to change things here. Certainly tweaking or even changing things drastically this deep into the season. I do think there is more of an emphasis right now at this time of the season of taking care of the ball against full court pressure. Purdue has had a couple of hiccups against that here in the last couple of weeks. And Purdue knows they're going to see that tonight. They're going to see a ton of full court pressure because that's how Fairleigh Dickinson likes to play. So there's been a bit more of an emphasis on, on how to handle the full court press. But as far as, you know, major tweaks or certainly any type of uh, major renovations you'd like to do to this team this late in the season, um, th- th- there's no sense in doing that because obviously what you've done this year has worked and, and it's put you in a position to have a number one seed. He's the voice of the Boilermakers. He's Rob Blackman. He's with us live from Columbus. Again, Purdue and uh, Fairley Dickinson, I think, should start on time. I know NCAA tournament times can be a bit odd, but they are the first game of the evening se- session, so they should start at 6.50. You bring up the the press. I think an advantage Purdue could have tonight, which is rather obvious with the press, though. Rob, like, Fairleigh Dickinson is small. and You know, if yeah. you get in trouble, just throwing it up to Zach Eady or Caleb first, that can be, I think, a huge part of just kind of steadying things from a press standpoint. Um, what keys has Matt Painter kind of stressed in, whether it's getting the ball to Brain Smith more, having, you know, just Ethan Morton and Newman and, and, and Lawyer, just those guys bring it up. What have been the keys press-wise? Well, the biggest key yesterday, the biggest emphasis, I guess I should say, in practice was keeping the ball in the middle of the floor as you're bringing the ball up the floor. Purdue, uh, at times, has been very good at that. At other times, for some reason, they've gotten, uh, they've got, they lost their minds a little bit and decided to try to bring the ball up the sideline, which has been the perfect area for teams to trap, and that's exactly what Fairleigh Dickinson is trying to do. So keeping the ball in the middle of the floor as you bring it up, but I think you have a great point, uh, Kevin, in that Yes, this is a team that likes to press. Yes, they're all about the full court pressure, but they're not very tall. You know, in the backcourt, they're 5'9 and 5'8. They're the smallest team in NCAA basketball. Their average height across the board is 6'1. So it's a little bit easier. Well, at least I I say that. Maybe the players wouldn't agree, but I would think it's a little bit easier to throw over the top of a guy who's trying to press you at 5'9 as opposed to trying to throw over the top of a guy like Caleb McConnell at Rutgers, who's, you know, 6'7 and long. Um, or, or some of those Illinois guys that were like a Coleman Hawkins, who when they put him on the front of that press at six foot ten, was nearly impossible to throw over the top of. So, yes, I do think there is an added advantage there of trying to throw over the top of that defense today. Um, but again, there's going to be the way Fairleigh Dickinson likes to play defensively is it's full court press all the time, and then they're going to trap you in the half court as well. If they get a chance in the half court, they will trap, uh, they will run and jump. Uh, they're doing everything in their power to try to speed the game up. So big key for Purdue tonight is to try to slow the game down and get the ball in the hands of Zach Eady. Because once that ball goes inside, I have a hard time believing Fairly Dickinson is going to have an answer for, for big Zach. Have you heard any coaches or players talk about Fairly Dickinson's coach and what he said post game the other night? 
I've heard some of our players talk about it, just kind of eavesdropping on them, sitting on the bus and stuff, going to practice and those kind of things. So I know they're aware of it. Um, I have not heard our, you know, coaches directly uh, talk about it directly or, you know, make it a big deal with our team. But I I do know that our players are very much aware of it. Yes, (laughs) I do know that much. Rob, I'm curious about this. Rob Blackman's our guest. He's on the Payless Eagles hotline. He is in Columbus with the Boilermakers, who will be taking on Fairleigh Dickinson this evening. And I know that you can't overlook teams in the NCAA tournament. I mean, that's just a rule. I get it. But there's also a quick turnaround should you be fortunate enough to win at any round. So because you are somebody that's around the team, I thought maybe you could give a glimpse for listeners as to how it works. Purdue's second round, should they get past Fairleigh Dickinson would be the winner of Memphis and Florida Atlantic. Both teams offer challenges, I think. Does a program, does Matt Painter's group, like at the end of practice, say, spend 10 minutes each on just an introduction to everybody on what they could see from either club should they win, just to get them kind of briefed on that so that it's not just absolutely diving in and cramming at the last minute? Or do those two teams not even get mentioned until after this game? Yeah, not even mentioned. Uh, that's the way Coach Painter does it. And I've been with him 18 years, so I have a pretty good feel for how this works. The, they, yeah, they are. They have not been mentioned. Uh, Memphis and Florida Atlantic, and they will not be mentioned, uh, whether it be practice, film, whatever it is. Uh, the focus is solely on Fairleigh Dickinson from a player standpoint. Now, very similar to the regular season, the coaches, and that includes the grad assistants, they've already begun their advanced scouting on a potential next opponent, which is not that's not uncommon. You do that in the regular season too. Once you have your scouting report in for your for your next opponent, you move on to the to the following opponent, who's ever next on the schedule, and start putting together that scouting report. So the the, the base work has already been done for both Memphis and Florida Atlantic, uh, because that's just the, that's the normal routine. But as far as addressing those things with the players or talking about those things. Um, no, those have not been. Those two teams have not been talked about, and nor will they be mentioned uh, until I guess probably about eleven o'clock tonight or so. If Purdue wins, and then you see who Memphis and Florida Atlantic who wins that game, uh, which is the second game right after the Purdue game tonight. Robbie, I don't need to remind Arizona and Virginia fans this. The reality is, you can go home now at any point. Um, so I, I asked this question just looking ahead a bit, I, and I apologize if if maybe I'm thinking too much about next year. But has Zach Eady been asked, or do you have any inkling whatsoever on him and potentially entering the NBA draft? I do not have an inkling. I do know he was asked, I think it was last week at the Big Ten tournament. Might have been the week before, which it, ironically I thought was interesting. It was the first time I'd heard anyone ask him about it from yeah, the media I, standpoint. I was going to say, I feel like I haven't heard anybody ask him. Yeah, you would you would have thought that question would have been asked a hundred times by now, if not a thousand times. Um, but that's the only time I've heard it brought up, at least in any type of a public forum. And all I know is he said, I haven't even thought about that right now, which will take him at his word. But I think I don't care who you are. with the, If you have his skill level, you, you have thought about it. <laughs> now, you might not tell anyone that, but that's certainly the thought has crossed your mind about what your decision is going to be for next year. Um, so we'll see. I think, you know, it's I don't know. While I've never asked him specifically uh, about this, my gut feeling has always told me, at least for the Purdue guys that we've had that have, you know, been drafted here in the last few years, they've always. It always feels to me like if they're a, if they know they're a guaranteed first rounder, the odds are very much that they're headed to the NBA. 
Um, but if they are not a guaranteed first-rounder, uh, you know, normally those guys come back. Um, they, you know, they test those NBA waters. I know Travion Williams did it, I think, twice and kept coming back both times. So, so for guys in recent memory, um, you know, Biggie Swanigan, uh, God rest his soul, I know he tested the NBA waters and then decided to come back for uh, one extra year. So that would be my gut. Again, I haven't asked him, but my gut tells me if, if if someone says, yes, we're definitely taking you in the first round, I could see Zach Eady leaving. Uh, but if there's no guarantees that that's going to happen, uh, I would I would not be surprised if Zach plays again for Purdue next year. I, I thought I read somewhere that, like, for international students, it's, like, harder from an NIL standpoint. I, I don't know if there's any validity to that, but, like, that's been something that maybe, I don't know, Edie can't tap into as much as you would think. I You know, I, I'm seeing those jersey, those, like, hockey jerseys, and I thought yeah. that had something to, to do with him. But uh, do you know anybody or anything on that front, like, from an international student standpoint, based off a of visa, like, it's harder to do NIL things? Yeah. I do not know that, and that's a very good thought and question by you, Kevin. Unfortunately, I don't have the answer, um, and I had not seen that article or what you're referencing. So maybe there is something to that that I'm not aware of. But yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Rob, give us an idea what the day looks like for the Purdue basketball team. I mean, it's a tournament game. Obviously, they're not in class today. They're in Columbus, Ohio. They wake up. They're early morning game. You know, there's there's early afternoon games, etc and then Purdue tipping off right around the dinner hour. So what does the day look like? Funny you would ask, because I have the itinerary laying right here in front of me. Oh, perfect. Uh, yes. So breakfast here, team breakfast at 9 a.m. at 9.45 on the bus, head over to Ohio State. Uh, we're going to use our practice facility from uh, 10 to 11.30. Uh, come back here, lunch at noon, uh, and then off your feet, slash take a nap or watch basketball or whatever it is you do. Uh, until 2:45, and then there'll be a pregame meal at 2:45, and uh, and they'll roll to the arena at uh, at 4:45. Which the beauty of the arena, the hotel is literally right beside the arena. We could walk there in five minutes. But but yeah, that's uh, that is what the itinerary looks like for today. You think it's all green food at breakfast? <laughs> it was when I was in college. Listen, right? I've been doing this. I've been, and I know you're making a St. Patrick's Day re- uh, reference. I've been doing this for 18 years. I've eaten the same freaking breakfast with this team for 18 straight <laughs> years. So I can tell you exactly what it is. Sausage and bacon, pancakes, scrambled eggs, some type of fruit, hash browns, and oatmeal. And that is the same breakfast I have ate for 18 straight seasons. That I've eaten for 18 straight seasons. Jake, a little different than the breakfast Mark and I had last Friday. Here. That's yeah. right. And, Your Long's and, Donuts yeah. and PBR, yeah. right? Uh, slightly, slightly, slightly different. Although Long's Donuts and PBR, I think a few people might be having that to start this Friday here in Indianapolis. Rob, we obviously hope the stay in Columbus is through Sunday, and we hope the next destination for you is the world's famous arena, and that would be Madison Square Garden for the Sweet 16 in the Elite Eight. Have a great call tonight, and thank you for the time. Oh. All right, guys, thanks.